With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast is always up to speed with Formula One broadcasting tonight from the Vivid Seat studio and welcome back. The season is a go again this weekend. It's Spa-Francorchamps, the Belgian Grand Prix, one of my favorite circuits out of the entire year. And it's also Labor Day here in North America this weekend. And that is the unofficial end to summer because uh, the kids go back to school next week. And even though we got three more weeks officially of summer, once the kids go back, it's basically back to work and back to normal for everyone. So it is, uh, like I say, the unofficial end to summer and it's gone really quickly. And talking about going really quickly or things going really quickly, I took a little bit of time off last week and uh, I got to let you guys in on a bit of a secret because even though I didn't go away, I just had some time away from work and was just kind of hanging around doing my own thing. I decided I was going to take the week off. So last week's show, the top 10 show I did on the the talking points or top 10 stories of the season so far, I actually recorded that the week before (laughs) the week. uh, Actually, I recorded before the show that came out the week before just the, the, the way it all worked out. Anyhow, after it uh, it dropped, I was sitting there somewhat nervously hoping that uh, that the top 10 stories that I picked were going to actually make it through the entire week because I, I had this one thing, and it's happened not so much on this show, but my other podcast occasionally. You sit down, you do the program, you get everything all ready, and you, you set it all up for download, goes out there. And literally the next morning, something big breaks. And of course, uh, Formula One's got a bigger reach than uh, than Major League Soccer, which is uh, what my other podcast is about. And uh, so, okay, the the impact on my side has been a little bit uh, minimized from from that front with the other show, but it's still disappointing. So I must say, I was a little bit a uh, little bit nervous at times. I might pick up my phone and uh, check the latest F one news, and might be greeted by a story and Lewis Hamilton in shock move to Ferrari or or something like that. But I dodged a bullet. And this time, pre, uh, pre-planning some content to go out there actually worked in my favor. But it's it's back to normal. It's uh, back to uh, racing this weekend. And uh, really looking forward to it. The second half of the season begins now. And why don't we do what we usually do around here when it's a, a race weekend or just a, a normal week, actually. Just to review what the uh, what the state of the, the union is, if you want to call it that, in the Drivers' and Constructors' Championships. Because it's been a couple of weeks. And I had to... <laughs> remind myself uh, this afternoon of exactly who's sitting where I mean, it's Lewis Hamilton on top, of course. He's been there for quite a while. Lewis with 250 points uh, ahead of his uh, teammate Valtteri Bottas with 188. Max Verstappen in third in the work, uh, sorry, not in the constructors, but in the Drivers' Championship with 181 points. Sebastian Vettel for the first of the two Ferraris with 156 points. And Charles Leclerc, 
the second Ferrari with 132 points. Pierre Gasly, interestingly, still uh, listed as a Red Bull driver. Of course, he will make his re-debut for Toro Rosso this weekend at Spa-Francorchamps with Alex Albon going the other way to take Gasly's seat at uh, Red Bull for the remainder of the season. Uh, Gasly has 63 points. And then moving over to the constructors' side, really, it's been uh, a one-sided and lopsided uh, lead uh, that Mercedes had uh, basically since the start of the season. Uh, Nobody else has uh, been able to come close to them. Mercedes on top, 438 points. Ferrari second in the constructors with 288 points. And this is going to be an interesting storyline to follow the rest of the year. Uh, Ferrari ahead of uh, Red Bull in the constructors right now and uh, Red Bull of 244 points really makes me wonder if um, if Pierre Gasly had been able to score more points more regularly uh, combined uh, with uh, Max's points whether or not they would be closer or ahead of uh, Ferrari in the constructors uh, championship and then the only other team of note is uh, McLaren currently fourth in the constructors championship uh, well ahead of everybody else uh, in the midfield pack they have uh, 82 points which is substantially ahead of Toro Rosso who round out the top five with uh, 43 points. So like I say, we are back to racing this weekend and it has been quite an eventful uh, couple of weeks. Usually you kind of go into this uh, summer holiday, uh, the summer break, and it uh, becomes uh, everybody observing radio silence and there isn't really typically too much uh, news going around, but there's been uh, a fair amount, especially, well, you'd expect in the the, the week leading up to a Grand Prix more news, but I thought this year in general, there seemed to be a, a little bit more news but uh, perhaps uh, that's just my own colored take on things. But to the first off, we have, uh, and this might be a little bit worrying if uh, you're a fan of any other team or driver than uh, than, than uh, Mercedes, and apparently they have worked straight through the summer break. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, obviously, they have uh, pretty much an unassailable lead in uh, both championships at the moment, but uh, they are, uh, I think, the, the, the benchmark, the gold standard by uh, all the other teams really have to follow and, uh, and live up to because it never really ceases to amaze me that uh, no matter what happens and how many races they win, they still seem genuinely excited every time either Lewis Hamilton or one of his teammates, uh, either Nico Rosberg in the old days or uh, more recently, of course, uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, win a race, that they still seem extremely excited and pumped about it and uh, every championship that they win. So uh, good on them. I mean, they put a lot of money into it and uh, it's, like I say, (laughs) it sounds rather ominous if uh, you're a, uh, a rival of uh, Ferrari, but uh, that's uh, you don't get anywhere uh, without uh, putting in the, the the work, and that's uh, certainly uh, what uh, what they're doing. So, uh, Total Wolf, the the team uh, principal at Mercedes, said uh, that the summer shutdown was a welcome break, and uh, he said the majority of the team personnel uh, at their uh, headquarters did uh, and and could recharge their batteries. But uh, he was saying other tem- team members were uh, still working through the, the the past couple of weeks, and uh, especially with their their the team members at Bricksworth, uh, uh, where they uh, design and build their engines, uh, work through the summer break to uh, improve uh, certain performance and reliability. Jesus, how can you tell I've had a couple of weeks off here? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mercedes have been working on the performance and reliability components of their their engine. And uh, so that, uh, well, I mean, 
This is, of course, uh, the time of year when teams are typically looking towards uh, what, what's going to happen for next year and the design for the cars and engines and everything well underway for 2020. But uh, Mercedes, you'd think that uh, out of all the teams out there that uh, you wouldn't think they would need to focus on um, performance and reliability. But of course, you don't get to be the best without uh, doing the little things good and doing a lot of little things good because uh, you take those small steps. And of course, it's going to add up to a, a lot of uh, big ones. But talking about a team that could learn a lot from what uh, Mercedes has done over the uh, the, the past uh, several years, and that's uh, Renault. And Danny Ricardo says that uh, in 2020, Renault need to take bigger steps. And well, I think that's uh, a bit of an understatement. But of course, uh, you could understand that uh, a Renault driver is not going to be overly critical in public at any rate, uh, especially in the media, about what they, they need to do. And uh, he says uh, that they do need to take these bigger steps with the car if they want to reach their target of uh, challenging for podiums in 2020 and that really seems like a, a long shot obviously at this uh, this point uh, they've uh, really plateaued and uh, regressed even to a certain extent over the past uh, several years and uh, what was seemed to be promising within the first couple of years after taking over at, uh, at Lotus and getting back into F1 has uh, been kind of a, a, a slow uh, climb up and a bit of a plateau and now like I say uh, they're, they're not even in the fourth in the uh, Constructors' Championship, which was where they were last year, which it seemed a lot more promising, especially with the news that they increased the personnel in the team this year. They have a bigger budget to work with. And uh, just the experience that uh, that the Renault has uh, designing and building uh, and, and racing cars and winning championships and, and engines, of course. I mean, they've been uh, they've won multiple championships as, a, as an engine supplier, as a manufacturer. So they know how to get it done. But it really seems like the glory years of the early 2000s uh, especially when uh, Fernando Alonso won his world championships uh, back-to-back in 2005 and 2006. Seems a a long time ago. But uh, it's one thing to set these goals uh, that that, that they have to, uh, what they want to achieve in Formula One. It's another thing of actually doing it. Uh, But uh, Ricardo, and to his credit, he he maintains that he has no regrets about uh, leaving Red Bull, uh, even though that they've uh, won a couple of races this year. And he was always uh, a semi-regular, at least uh, over the past couple of years, on the podium and uh, managing to to win uh, several races uh, uh, for himself as a Red Bull driver. But uh, so, I mean, good for him for, for sticking with the decision or or not having regrets about the decision that he made to leave uh, Red Bull and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about them and Honda in the moment I mean uh, certainly there's a lot of room for growth uh, for them still and uh, and potential and obviously I think that uh, Red Bull and Honda is going to be a situation to watch very closely uh, next year and uh, and beyond but he says uh, that uh, the start of his uh, two-year with uh, Renault has been on par with uh, what he expected, but uh, he expects also that the team is going to improve. And uh, Ricardo said, uh, quote, I don't want to say it's been in line with expectations because obviously I'd hope for more, but I knew it wasn't going to happen like this. So if I look at Canada, the qualifying, I'd actually say that exceeded probably some expectation in the first few races, but then obviously some other races like Austria that was lower than our expectations. Up until now, let's say I'm somewhere in the middle with expectations, but I would now expect that the second half of the season to have some regular, whatever it is, top six finishes. So, well, that seems to be a bit of a lofty ambition, even to get into the top six uh, by the end of the year. Uh, they really have been uh, a little bit uh, erratic and disappointing throughout the year, but who knows, perhaps if they can get their act together, that they'll be able to to climb back and maybe get to, to where they were this time uh, last year. Because certainly, uh, one would have thought that uh, where they were last year, clearly, certainly... Uh, 
behind Red Bull and the top three teams by uh, by by a long ways, but they were certainly clear by a small margin at any rate of a lot of the other teams in the midfield pack. So to see them regress and go uh, fall further back uh, down the field uh, compared to they were just uh, only a year ago is uh, is not very encouraging uh, to see. Anyway, moving along and well, not really moving along, we're going to stick with Renault. Ricardo's teammate, Nico Hulkenberg, says that uh, Belgium and Italy are make or break uh, for Renault, uh, especially uh, with uh, his uh, team's uh, 2019 campaign at any rate. And I think that really is true. I mean, we've already got uh, a dozen races uh, behind us. So the calendar is is heavily weighted in the first half of the year rather than uh, the, the, the second half after the summer break. I mean, we're already at the beginning of September. September, October, November are going to go very quickly. And uh, Abu Dhabi, the season finale, is always uh, typically the last last week of November and you know as much as I'm enjoying and love summer all <laughs> all year long it certainly is uh, going to disappear pretty quickly and uh, once these races start coming they're going to come pretty thick and fast and uh, before you know it it is uh, really going to be uh, down to the last couple of races so hopefully the, the the world championship will be decided closer to the end rather than now but for other guys guys like uh, Ricardo guys like Hulkenberg and teams like Renault they really starting there running out of time to to do something something and, and, and salvage something positive uh, from the season. And if they don't get some results in the in the next couple of weeks, then, well, the, the, the opportunities to, to really uh, make up any ground on the rivals and make up any, um, uh, any uh, ground in the championship as well is going to be a very tall order because uh, Renault is not even in the top uh, six in the, in the constructors. I mean, they're behind uh, McLaren and uh, they're also behind uh, Toro Rosso. So, you know, there's, there, there's a long way to go. So I should say they're not in the top five, but there's a long way for them to go to, to try and get to, to where they are. I mean, uh, fourth is, uh, and being able to catch McLaren seems like a, a pretty difficult thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can uh, catch up and pass uh, Toro Rosso, uh, because the, I think Toro Rosso now, uh, despite uh, the, the the rotation of Albon and uh, and Gasly uh, to and from uh, Toro Rosso to Red Bull, I think it's a, it's a good solid uh, team or a good uh, driver lineup that Toro Rosso has. I think uh, Danny Kvyat this year has done uh, a, pre- a pretty good uh, and reliable job. I mean, uh, getting a, a podium in uh, Germany, even though it was wet and bizarre circumstances, he's been pretty solid. I think uh, the, the the rest of the year, and uh, I think he's matured a little bit over the past couple of years. And uh, Pierre Gasly was uh, pretty decent for them uh, the the last couple of seasons as well. So going back to where he came from is just a, an opportunity again uh, to to get into a situation that he's uh, familiar with. And uh, I wonder how he'll uh, be able to perform and what he'll be able to do uh, back in that environment and the familiarity and perhaps even a little bit of comfort of Toro Rosso compared to uh, the, the big pressure cooker of the the, the main uh, Red Bull team. So keep your eyes on that. So uh, sticking with uh, Nico Hulkenberg, uh, he said that uh, he's teased a more exciting Thursday at the Belgian Grand Prix. And uh, there's also reports out there that uh, perhaps uh, he might be losing his seat to uh, Mercedes reserve driver Esteban Ocon uh, because uh, it's looking more and more that, uh, that Mercedes will retain Valtteri Bottas after this year. Uh, so that uh, that'll be another interesting one. And uh, uh, Hulkenberg again, a very interesting guy. He's uh, got what over 150 Grand Prix to his uh, his credit now, uh, off the top of my head, and uh, still doesn't have a podium to show for it. And this is a guy that won at Le Mans a couple of years ago, and very uh, highly thought of uh, in the Formula One world. So surprising that uh, that he's never been able to do it. But I guess uh, he just hasn't been at the right team at the right time and uh, at the right point in his career. And uh, I don't know. 
know. It, uh, it it seems a little bit interesting. I mean, uh, Ocon, of course, uh, is a Mercedes driver, and that was one of the things that uh, that was talked about a lot over last uh, winter. That when the, the the musical chairs of the 2019 silly season, or for the the driver uh, rumors and everything and moves that uh, that uh, precipitated this year, that was the the one thing that was uh, almost marked as a knock against uh, Esteban Ocon was his uh, ties to Mercedes and uh, racing last year and a half uh, at uh, at Force India or racing points and uh, that that was one of the things that labeled him as uh, maybe uh, undesirable for uh, some teams but whether or not he can work his way out of uh, Mercedes and into a drive at uh, Renault that would be interesting I mean we've seen that uh, he seems to be a, a pretty good young driver looks like uh, he's got a lot of potential uh, and, and a lot of speed and uh, I think he'll be uh, probably uh, maybe not best known, but certainly one of the things that stands out about uh, Onka over the past, uh, well, the first uh, year and a half of his uh, racing career this year, obviously the only times we see Onka is uh, usually in the garage at Mercedes on a, on a Sunday afternoon. But uh, other than that, I think the one uh, or several memories that, uh, that, that will come into mind will be the clashes that he had with his former teammate at Force India, Sergio Perez, and, uh, <laughs> and some of the grief and some of the uh, uh, aggro that uh, they caused uh, team principal uh, Otmar half an hour over the past uh, year and a bit but I, I, I really find it uh, I wouldn't say a stretch but certainly I would find it very interesting if he was able to, to land a job at, uh, at Renault and uh, I'm not really sure what to expect I mean they haven't confirmed uh, Valtteri Bottas to be uh, sticking with the Mercedes next year with uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, that that's always been a bit of an interesting situation to um, to, to discuss or to think about because before this year uh, Total Wolf was saying that if uh, Hulkenberg, sorry not Hulkenberg, uh, Bottas uh, wanted to stick with the Mercedes he'd have to uh, perform on Lewis Hamilton uh, like terms and I guess that's up to, to debate how close he's actually uh, come to that uh, this year but certainly he's doing a very solid job um <clears throat> contributing to the team. I mean, uh, he's uh, delivered uh, quite a lot of points uh, to them, and then he's a, a big part of uh, why they are so far ahead in the Constructors' Championships uh, at the moment. So I would be surprised if he didn't, and that's why I think uh, that uh, it makes sense for a guy like Ocon to look elsewhere and whether or not uh, he ends up uh, with a Mercedes team. Uh, I, d- I don't know uh, what's going to happen, obviously, with Kubica at, uh, at Renault, or sorry, not at Renault, at, uh, at Williams and some of the other teams. I know a lot of the driver lineups already confirmed and set for next year, so certainly be interesting to see what happens over there. But Hulkenberg, talking about more exciting Thursdays now. He was uh, referring to uh, uh, something that uh, came out, and that was uh, a picture in a French publication which uh, pretty much uh, said that Ocon's move uh, to, to Renault is a done deal and even had a mock-up uh, of uh, Ocon wearing a Renault uh, uh, race suit. And, uh, well, <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg, I think uh, he does have a bit of a sense of humor, but I think that uh, he'll be uh, just uh, focused on getting uh, done what, uh, what what he needs to get done. But also just uh, talking about Ocon, one of the other rumored destinations that he could end up in is, uh, is at Haas. And again, that's not a Mercedes customer team. So if he does go somewhere else other than, uh, you know, sticking with Mercedes themselves, if they decide to, to part way with, uh, with Bottas, which seems unlikely, it would be uh, fascinating to see where he ends up. Anyways, I'm uh, behind schedule for a break here. Plenty more coming up here on the Overtime Media Network. So please don't go away. We'll be back after this very short break. Passion. Drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, 
LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, well, welcome back to the show. And I forgot to mention off the top of the program here, but uh, I'm a big sports fan, not just Formula One, but many other things. And of course, NFL season is just around the corner. I can't uh, can't wait. I mean, it's literally just uh, days away now. And if uh, you're heading out uh, on opening day to watch your favorite team, make sure to check out Vivid Seats and use the promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases for first-time customers only. And I can't wait. Uh, I have no idea who's going to win the Super Bowl this year. Of course, uh, that's part of the fun, uh, but uh, looking forward to, to getting it going. Uh, I live up here in Seahawks country, and I've been a big Seahawks fan for years and years and years. And if you don't believe me, I have the Rick Meyer jersey upstairs in my closet uh, that I can pull out. And uh, for those of you who know what uh, <laughs> what I'm talking about, that refers to a period in the Seahawks history that uh, really wasn't their greatest. Anyways, let's stick with Formula One, because that's what we're here to talk about. And uh, Ferrari has said that a, ca- a bigger calendar is a risk when coupled uh, with the new uh, budget cap that is going to be introduced in uh, 2021, and that uh, comes courtesy of Ferrari team principal uh, Mattia Bonato. And um, Formula One is expected to expand now to a record 22 races for next year. And uh, Liberty uh, Media, the owners, uh, are maintaining to, that they want to push new events and uh, to the schedule, and uh, that could even balloon and uh, get b- uh, bigger even uh, further. So uh, Bonato says that he's not opposed to the expansion of the calendar in principle, and he's uh, aware of the business, uh, what he calls business necessities. But he says that the the new races will also demand uh, personnel reinforcements, and I can I can imagine that that's going to be the case. I mean, uh, with uh, what we've seen over the past uh, several years with um, the 20 or more races, and they've always said that was about uh, the, the the limit, but we're going to add another race and they're trying to push for more. I don't know what that magic number is. Obviously, I'm not on the inside, but it just makes uh, sense from a, a logistics uh, point of view that uh, that at some point, the, 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 the amount of people that they have working in the factories, working in the pits, working uh, to get the cars from one race uh, track to, to, to the other just there's a lot of manpower that goes into it and um, Bonato says uh, quote I think we need to uh, first make sure from the financial side we are doing the right choices Uh, and that's what he told in an interview to motorsport.com there should be a benefit in terms of the overall financial balance if the balance is positive yes we need to reorganize ourselves we cannot afford an entire season of 24 races with the same single individuals and that's an excellent point it's just like when does it uh, become too much and uh, when are resources and people stretched uh, too thin. And uh, that, that'll be uh, really interesting because um, Formula One is uh, poised to introduce a $175 million spending cap for 2021. And he says, uh, or Bonato that is, says that's very high for the small teams, which uh, of course it is for some of the uh, the, the small players in Formula One, uh, spending a fraction of what uh, the teams like Ferrari and Mercedes and even Red Bull do. Uh, but uh, saying that, uh, that the big teams may overspend in the next couple of years to uh, make up... Uh, 
for the the impact of the uh, the the, the uh, budget cap in uh, in 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 advance. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens and how they implement that. But when you have teams that already have several hundred people in it, of course, if you're Ferrari or Mercedes or one of the big teams, uh, adding more people, of course, is just a a matter of uh, being able to um, <laughs> just re reallocate re, uh, you know resources and and get the people in. And I can imagine it would be more of an impact on the smaller teams that uh, that typically have to do more with less. I mean, uh, take a Racing Point or Force India and their previous incarnation was one of those teams that uh, were always pretty much been a shining of light of being able to do more with less over the years. And uh, when it comes to things like having to expand a calendar and uh, the, where do you get all these, uh, you know, these extra people from for all these uh, specialized jobs and things uh, that need to be uh, uh, taken into consideration. So that'll be, uh, it's it's going to be tough, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it's going to be uh, implemented and uh, and how it uh, and 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 how it uh, really comes to to fruition. I just lost my notes here, but uh, one of the other things uh, that I wanted to oh there it is is uh, one of the other uh, stories that uh, came out is that um, the Spanish Grand Prix has officially uh, secured a 2020 uh, calendar slot. So that's uh, good to see, and uh, that was um, it was. It was under serious threat, uh, threat there for a while because it seems that they've only uh, signed a, a one-year agreement. So who knows? Uh, I guess uh, there is more than uh, just the, the the technical rules and regulations up in the air for for 2021. Uh, so who knows if we'll be in the same uh, position uh, this time next year with uh, with uh, uh, Barcelona and uh, the, the Spanish Grand Prix coming back. And I've, I've said it many times on the program here uh, that uh, sometimes I find that the the, the race and the the track there. Uh, doesn't always lead to very exciting Grand Prix. I mean, it's had its moments over the years, but part of the problem is is that they've done so much testing there over the years. I think that uh, the the drivers can almost uh, drive it uh, with with their eyes closed, and uh, sometimes uh, I think it makes for a little less um, exciting racing. But Spain is a race that uh, and a track that I've been to in person, and it's it's a wonderful place to go and watch a Grand Prix. I really enjoyed it. I mean, uh, we were there in uh, in 2014, so several years ago now. But I mean, uh, the location is wonderful. I mean, it's only uh, gosh, what was it? Uh, maybe about forty-five minute uh, trip outside of the, uh, the the city of Barcelona, and uh, it was easy to get to. The weather was lovely, and uh, it was just a, a wonderful experience. So, just from a, a sentimental and personal point of view, it would have been uh, very disappointing to see that one uh, drop off uh, the, the the calendar. So, uh, good to see that they're back, and uh, hopefully, they can uh, get that sorted out uh, for twenty twenty one and uh, and beyond. So just let's uh, talk a little bit now about um, uh, Red Bull and uh, and Honda. And uh, Honda is admitted to the gaps in the, the leading F1 uh, engines is still there. And I think that's uh, well, I'd probably self-explanatory to, uh, to a certain extent, uh, extent but that comes from uh, Honda's technical uh, director, Toyuharu Tanabe, and uh, he, he does admit that the gap to the leaders is still there. And I think that... Um, I think that they should be very encouraged, though. I think that what we've seen this year from the partnership uh, between Red Bull and Honda, it seems to be like they were made for each other. Honda and uh, McLaren, obviously, we don't need to go into that whole sordid and sad uh, story again because uh, it's just uh, way too depressing. But the way that it roundabout worked and the way that they came uh, to, to, together with uh, with Red Bull after they had... Well, I wouldn't say similar problems, but uh, certainly a souring uh, and, and disappointing end to, to the re- relationship uh, with Renault, with uh, which they were very successful when they were um, uh, previous uh, uh, or prior to the uh, V6 uh, turbo hybrid era. Uh, 
and uh, of course won many world championships and constructors titles uh, when they are partnered together with them and that just looked like that was one of those situations where they are just together way too long uh, Renault just weren't able to uh, build the same sort of engine in, in this new era of Formula One as they were uh, previously and this is even going back to as far as 2014 I remember uh, Christian Horner uh, lamenting um, at that time that they just did, didn't have enough uh, power compared to say Ferrari and Mercedes even at that point and of course uh, that uh, relationship just uh, uh, worsened over the years even to the point that I think uh, Surreal Abitabul the team principal at uh, at Renault and of course uh, when uh, Red Bull was a, a customer Renault or a Renault uh, customer team that uh, I think he said uh, last year the beginning of 2018 that uh, when whenever Horner was uh, was complaining they'd basically tuned him out at that point so you could see where that went but anyways after they decided to, to make the switch and partner up with uh, with Honda the, this year and uh, and beyond it, it just seems that the, the, there's a lot more um, teamwork together because uh, I don't really know all of the uh, the ins and outs and everything that uh, happened with uh, McLaren but it just seemed that they they seem to have a really good working relationship uh, with uh, with Red Bull and uh, to win a couple of races so far this year I think is a really uh, po- positive for them and I know that they were under less than ideal uh, conditions at uh, at times I mean um, where I mean it's always ideal when you win but I mean it wasn't the like in Germany that Max went out there and beat the Ferraris and the uh, and the Mercedes cars uh, flat out but uh, he was just uh, one of the guys that uh, managed to keep his car on the track for the most part I know he had a bit of a moment there but uh, was uh, able to uh, basically uh, survive a, a battle of attrition now where he was dominant was at uh, at Austria earlier this uh, summer and I mean that was an absolutely wonderful and amazing performance uh, from Max uh, Verstappen he was just the right guy in the right car on that afternoon and uh, was uh, just uh, better than uh, and faster than uh, both uh, the Mercedes and the and the Ferraris and the way that uh, he uh, blew past uh, all of them in his uh, the, the the way that uh, he went on to win that race was uh, was impressive I mean we, we can uh, maybe just put the discussion about uh, you know what was that a fair pass that he made on Charles Leclerc the way that he barged his way through to, uh, for another day the end of the uh, the end of the discussion is that was uh, his first uh, win with uh, with Honda Power and uh, the the first of two so far this year but Honda and uh, and and uh, Red Bull, you expect them to do well in situations like that. And again, he was also very competitive at, uh, at Monaco. wasn't able to get a, uh, around uh, Lewis Hamilton and take the win, but again, a bit of a, a tricky place uh, to do so. I mean, he certainly tried. And then again, at uh, at the Hungarian Grand Prix just before the summer break, there that was another track, uh, shorter, twistier, more technical, and uh, a bit of a slower track. And I really, honestly, uh, struggle a, a little bit to, to think that uh, he'll be able to. Uh, challenge seriously at any rate uh, under normal conditions the mercedes or even the ferraris uh, at, the, at the next couple of races at spa and uh, at, uh, at monza for the italian grand prix because those are power circuits uh, there's some long long portions of the track that are flat out and we know that the ferraris got great uh, straight line speed we know that uh, the mercedes is just uh, faster in general so it, it will be uh, fun to watch this weekend especially uh, at spa and just uh, i think see where, where the, the the true differences are i know that uh, at uh, at Hungary, that uh, that Max was uh, much quicker than uh, than 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 the Ferraris, but that wasn't really a track I expected Ferrari to to do well at, uh, just uh, uh, just due to the fact uh, that they do um, they just 
don't have a, a lot of downforce and they really suffer for the, uh, the the way that they designed the aerodynamics on this uh, this car but for this year but uh, just uh, sticking with that I mean uh, e- even though they admit that there's a gap uh, between themselves and uh, the other uh, top uh, Formula One teams um, they do say and uh, that Tanabe was saying also that uh, they really believe that uh, that uh, they uh, that they're going in the right direction and Honda's F1 managing director Masashi Yamamoto told uh, motorsport.com that uh, Honda is uh, weighing up whether or not they want to stay in Formula 1 after the end of next season that's uh, nothing new but the the, the wins that they've had uh, recently are certainly uh, good timing for them because they're they, they're ahead of a, a keyboard uh, meeting and Yamamoto uh, believes that uh, that they're pretty much uh, where they hope to be right now uh, with uh, with Red, Red Bull this year and uh, what they didn't say earlier was that uh, they want to uh, win five races uh, this season, but they certainly want to score more points than uh, Red Bull scored last year with uh, with uh, with Renault. So they have their work uh, cut out for them. I mean, certainly Max has done more than his fair share. So they, it kind of makes you wonder what sort of pressure there was uh, applied or, or what things were were said uh, between Honda and Red Bull, and if that, that had anything to do with the the, the decision to move uh, Pierre Gasly back to uh, Toro Rosso and try out uh, Alex Albon instead. I mean, that's a, a bit of a risky move i mean there's uh, there's no uh, guarantee that albon is going to be uh, able to do a better job than gasly and score more po- points uh, for the, uh, the the rest of the season i mean it's possible but uh, I, I think that uh, in general i think honda should be satisfied with what, what's happened so far this year and uh, i've i've said several times on the podcast that uh, that based on what i've seen so far this year that uh, the the goal was to at least um, keep them on the same level that they they were last year with the uh, renault and uh, i i think think that uh, the argument can certainly be made that uh, Red Bull with Honda power is uh, a little bit uh, ahead, if uh, not uh, more ahead than where they were uh, last year with uh, with Renault power. So sticking with other uh, midfield uh, teams now, uh, Kimi Raikkonen is supposedly easy to manage uh, for Alfa Romeo, and that comes from uh, Alfa F1 boss uh, Frederick Vasseur, and he says that the team's relationship with uh, with Kimi is working perfectly and, and benefiting from very transparent and black and white uh, discussions uh, that they had and um you know prior to him uh, going there last year i mean i think there was a, a lot of speculation that uh, before the, when the news first came out and before details were really made uh, public about uh, the the deal that uh, kimmy had signed there for for 2019 and 2020 was that uh, he knew that uh, in all the discussions that they had what was good what was bad about the team and uh, they were pretty open and, and forthcoming about uh, what what the what they called or what vasur called the real situation of the the, the company and so maybe now because of that uh, when, when there are issues that come up that uh, that Kimmy is not uh, necessarily uh, surprised or taken aback uh, by it but uh, apparently uh, Kimmy is uh, fully committed to, to the team and to the project and uh, Vassar goes on to say that he doesn't know how uh, Raikkonen was last year with uh, Ferrari but uh, he said uh, that at uh, Alfa Romeo it's uh, working uh, for them uh, perfectly and it's great to see uh, Kimmy Raikkonen uh, still in Formula 1. Uh, he scored I think it's 31 out of uh, Alfa's 32 points uh, this year and uh, Giovinazzi, his teammate, has only scored a, a single solitary point, uh, which is uh, disappointing. I mean, we, we saw at times uh, last year, I mean, uh, certainly Alpha, or which was then uh, self, uh, Sauber still, uh, were making headlines uh, more because of uh, what uh, Charles Leclerc was doing in the car compared to uh, his teammate uh, Marcus Erickson and really making uh, making himself known. And of course, uh, what he did uh, last year uh, certainly played a huge part in uh, him landing the role at, uh, at Ferrari for this year. So, 
uh, really good to, to see Kimmy around. It's a little bit disappointing we don't see him in the news conferences, uh, especially after uh, races, because he's uh, you know scored a podium or something. So I kind of miss uh, the, the the Kimmy quotes. We don't quite get uh, as much of it here in Canada. I mean, other than, uh, than 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 race day, but it is what it is. Anyways, time for another quick break. Don't go away. We'll be back in just one moment. All right, welcome back to the podcast. It's always up to speed with Formula One here, recording in the Vivid Steets studio and sticking with uh, Alfa Romeo, who we were talking about just uh, before the break there. Uh, Frederick Vesser, the um, the team principal, says that the 1.5% progress that they've uh, made this year is uh, is huge and that Alfa is rem- uh, improving drastically, has made a huge step with its uh, potential this year and uh, that uh, certainly uh, bodes well and is promising. I certainly wondered after... Uh, after they uh, made the, the, the move uh, official, uh, after uh, being just uh, the engine supplier and, and, and sponsor last year, I mean, because it was, was Sauber Alfa Romeo Racing or something last year. Anyways, uh, now that they are a full-blown uh, manufacturer, of course, it's going to take time to, to really uh, get it to, to what they want it to, to, to be their uh, vision of things. So uh, I would like to see them do a little bit more. I mean, uh, as I was saying just before the break, uh, we, we were teased a little bit, I think, at times last year as to the potential of, uh, of Alfa and uh and I think a lot of that uh, last year was due uh, to the, uh, the the raw, pure talent of uh, Charles Leclerc and some of the amazing things that he did. I mean, he was so much better and constantly and consistently better um, for, for most of the season than his uh, then-teammate Marcus Erickson in uh, an identical uh, machinery. And uh, you just knew that um, that the, the, the Sauber last year, I mean, it was a good car, but not great. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, it is what it is for a, a middle-of-the-pack Formula One car. And they come, uh, I, I think, uh, the broken three of the the, the funk and the runt uh, or the rut that they were in a couple of years previously because in the first year what was it in uh, 2018 uh sorry in 2017 when they had the the, the mismatched uh, 2016 power unit in the the new 2017 spec car that just didn't work and uh Verline and uh, Marcus Erickson were just uh well they were the Williams of <laughs> of uh of that year uh, that that year but uh, after they had a car and uh, and an engine that were meant to be together uh then things Things started to go in the right uh, direction and last year was it was a decent year for them and I often wonder I mean it's more or less but not really but still kind of is a Ferrari B team so I wonder how much uh, potential that uh, that they have and how, how far they can go but uh, if they, they could move up there, it'd be kind of fun to see whether or not they could uh, move up through the midfield there and say uh, get close and nip at the heels of uh, of McLaren or uh, just at least pull through, uh, pull away from the other teams there. But uh, certainly having a guy like Kimi Räikkönen there, a former world champion who's uh, been there, done that, and seen it all, uh, it has to be invaluable. I mean, uh, Kimi's got one more year to go next year. I mean, he's almost as old as I am, and uh, he's still racing in Formula One, and and, and I'll miss him when uh, when when he leaves. And uh, I really wonder what uh, what Kimmy's plans will be after he leaves, or he decides to hang up his helmet and racing gloves, and uh, and climb out of the cockpit uh, for good. Uh, whether or not he wants to stick in Formula One in in some sort of form, or if he just uh, decides to go off and uh, and do whatever it is Kimmy Räikkönen wants to do, but certainly enjoy him while he's uh, still around so okay we're moving into the part of the show now that is uh, going to be very heavily uh, devoted uh, to Ferrari and we're going to start with uh, Mattia Bonato saying that uh, Ferrari reliability roles or woes are unrelated to his new role as a team uh, principal so they have uh, obviously had uh, struggles all year long Uh, a lot has had to do with the design of the car a lot of it has been uh, Ferrari not helping Ferrari outside themselves and it's definitely been a very difficult 
difficult year. And it, it is frustrating and disappointing to watch. I mean, over the past couple of years, we've seen them kind of inch towards uh, Mercedes and close the gap. And certainly through the first half of 2018 last year, I mean, uh, Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari looked like an uh, unbeatable combination until, uh, well, it wasn't until really Monza last year when things started really going wrong and things really weren't uh, working out for them. And it just got worse and worse and worse as the uh, the season wound uh, went on because going into the summer break uh, last year, I mean, uh, Sebastian Vettel was uh, making a legit uh, claim uh, to, to be a contender for the world championship uh, last year. I mean, he led it for a good portion of the of the, of the the year until things started to fall off and uh, they, they started to have their problems. And this year just uh, is not a good look for them. Like the, the, the problems that they've had, uh, obviously with the design of the car, but some of the, the, the mechanical issues that they had. I mean, look at the Charles Leclerc back at the, the, the Grand Prix in Bahrain, second race of the year. Looked like he was just going to hands down win that one in, uh, in in rather impressive fashion and uh, and, and a problem with the the engine uh, really snuck up on him late and I mean he's lucky uh, for for two reasons that he was able still to to finish on the podium and uh, and claim third place was uh, the, the the fact that a there weren't too many uh, laps left in that race b that uh, the the Renaults of uh, Nico Hulkenberg and uh, Danny Ricardo mysteriously and somewhat strangely decided to expire at almost uh, identically the same moment and uh, having to bring out a, a safety car there right at the very end so it was, uh, definitely that played into to Charles uh, favor but the the other things like the, uh, the the mechanical issues that they've had in qualifying like uh, in in France and in Germany like uh, just uh, really <laughs> unfortunate and and disappointing to see i mean it's frustrating to see uh, a four-time world champion like Sebastian Vettel not being able to get out of the pits and uh, and even go in there to to try and, uh, and and claim that pole position i mean they haven't always uh, had that uh, that opportunity this year just uh, due to the fact that uh, they they don't have the best car or car that can compete on a level or close to uh, the the same level as uh, Mercedes and seeing Sebastian uh, you know not being able to do that is is sad to see is uh, also that we saw with Charles Leclerc as well uh, he's not been uh, immune for that as well I mean there have been other times of course where they haven't helped themselves I mean uh, Vettel had a little uh, whoopsie there in in Bahrain when dicing with uh, Lewis Hamilton and of course we've had the big discussion about uh, the, uh, the 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 incident. In Canada when he was leading that race. I mean, those are a little bit uh, different. And then, of course, uh, Charles Leclerc hasn't been completely blame-free. Of course, he had uh, a terrible weekend uh, at uh, at Monaco, and uh, that just didn't go well for him. And then also when uh, he stuffed it into the wall at the chicane at, uh, at Azerbaijan around the Baku City circuit there. But the thing is, I mean, it is frustrating and disappointing to see the problems uh, that the, that they're having but it was interesting that uh, they did decide last year over the winter to uh, part ways with uh, Maurizio Arriva Bene and appoint uh, Matteo Bonato as a as team principal and of course when the team struggles I mean people are going to want answers it's like well why have you gone backwards and 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 why are you having these problems and of course those are always going to come to the guy that's uh, in charge and of course the, the the natural thing is going to be as well is, is this are these problems happening because of your appointment to team principal or, or whatever it might be. So it is interesting uh, to, to, to hear Bonato's take on it. And uh, he said, uh, and I quote, I don't think anything has changed compared to last year or the year before. It's true. <clears throat> 
as well that uh, we have never been too strong on the reliability in past seasons. So it's something that should be in terms of overall approach of the two development addressed. It's something uh, with which we're all concerned back in the factory. So obviously it is something that uh, that's on their radar, but I think that it's absolutely crucial. And this is going to be uh, one of the understatements of the week that they really need to get their design philosophy and, and really get uh, things nailed in the design and the, 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 the manufacturer for the car for next year, because uh, it, it certainly is, uh, very disappointing uh, to, to see them. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's uh, too far of a stretch, and I, I think it's a fair shout to, to be made that uh, that they've fallen even uh, behind Red Bull this year. And uh, I think uh, we saw that right from the, the the very beginning. I mean, it was Valtteri Bottas that disappeared down the track in in, in Melbourne, and uh, it was uh, the, the 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 Red Bull of Max Verstappen that, uh, and of course Lewis Hamilton that uh, that were faster than the two Ferraris, and uh, and it was uh, Sebastian Vettel that. Uh, Benefited a little bit from from team orders, and uh, Charles Leclerc was certainly faster than him in that race, and uh, and and just didn't have the opportunity to to go on and do anything. Had to hold station uh, behind uh, Sebastian, but it's just it's, it's an ongoing thing. And I mean, they're they're even talking now that they really should have uh, focused more on uh, on down on downforce, and that's uh, something else that uh, that was uh, said by Mattia Bonato this year. So, it the SF90 does have superior straight line speed. It is. Um, there's no question about it. it is one of the fastest uh, and uh, cars out there we know it's a very powerful and good uh, engine but it is that downforce uh, deficiency that has uh, been a real achilles heel for for uh, ferrari this year and uh, bonato does admit now and of course hindsight is always 2020 but uh, he says that they should have uh, 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 pr- uh, placed greater emphasis on uh, downforce uh, in the car, uh, the design of the car this year, because it uh, would have also helped uh, work with the the, the new uh, 2019 spec uh, Pirelli tire. So interesting to hear them uh, really uh, come out and admit it. I mean, it's kind of something that uh, we all figured that was going uh, on with Ferrari and some of the issues that they've been having all year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out over the next uh, several months as they get this car designed. And and, and of course, we won't know for sure until uh, next year, until uh, the Australian Grand Prix and, uh, and well, the first several races. I mean, uh, one race is just a little bit uh, too much or too small of a sample to really make any sort of judgment calls on because uh, we, we can't go from winter testing because after the first round of winter testing this year, all the talk was uh, Ferrari's going to be uh, you know, a second and a half or two seconds a lap uh, quicker than uh, than everyone else, uh, in- including uh, Mercedes, and it's turned out to to be almost uh, completely the opposite. Uh, as once they got out of winter testing and got down to racing for real, it was uh, it was pretty obvious that uh, that the the um, what they had the advantage they had in winter testing, I wouldn't say it was smoke and mirrors, but uh, it certainly wasn't uh, what uh, what everybody had been uh, led to believe or was expecting based on the uh, the the winter your testing uh, results but just talking about uh, Sebastian Vettel now uh, for a little bit uh, despite all the things that uh, have gone on Sebastian Vettel is still apparently focused on winning a, a world championship uh, with uh, with uh, Ferrari and to me, this seems like a bit of a, a no-brainer. I mean, this uh, that comes from uh, from uh, Mattia Bonato in an interview with uh, Motorsport.com. He said, uh, "Quote: I think that his objective hasn't changed to become world champion with the uh, Ferrari." And let's admit it; it's a pretty small select group of people that make it into Formula One as a driver and even a smaller group of uh, drivers that actually be able are able to go and drive uh, for Ferrari. I mean, they've been there since day one. It's an iconic mark. It's uh, it's everybody knows 
what a Ferrari is. You know, even if you're not a fan of uh, of Formula One and motorsports, uh, everybody knows just from a, from a you know a luxury car point of view, everybody knows the name. So uh, just uh, there's that, but also from the Formula One side, I mean, there is a lot of uh, prestige. There is a lot of history there. I mean, you look at some of the great names that uh, that uh, that have uh, raced for Ferrari over the years, and uh, Sebastian Vettel. I know he's had his struggles over the past year or so, but uh, there's no doubt in my mind that even though that he's had his problems, some of his own fault, some of the teams, some have been a combination, of course, that uh, that that there is desire to win a world championship with Ferrari. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, we'd all give uh, do anything to get into Formula One or drive a car. So I mean, a Formula One car. So I mean, he's extremely lucky to be able to do so, and even luckier to have won races and world championships. But you just have to think that. Uh, it's been quite a long time now since Ferrari has won a world championship. And uh, you just have to think that, uh, you know, if uh, if you're a guy that's been around Formula One as long as Sebastian Vettel has, and you're looking for things to, to, to check off your, your list and try and accomplish during your time in the sport, that winning a world championship uh, with uh, Ferrari would have to be uh, one of those uh, top items. So that, that uh, does not uh, surprise me at all. But uh, Sebastian's going to need a little bit of help uh, from, uh, from Ferrari and uh, you know needs uh, needs a good uh, competitive car uh, to do so but we'll talk about that as we go into our final break for the night so please don't go away we'll be back after a very short message from our sponsors don't go away All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studio. And as we go into the final segment of the uh, the, the the show for this week, just uh, sticking with uh, Ferrari, uh, Mattia Bonato uh, says that uh, Ferrari are very surprised how much uh, Charles Leclerc has uh, improved in, in 2019. I know he's only uh, fourth in the or fifth in the world championship at the, at the moment, but I mean, he's been impressive. I mean, at times we've uh, seen maybe the less than what uh, we would expect from Charles Leclerc but hey he's still a young guy he's still learning the ropes I mean uh, you, you can look at the accident that uh, that he had at uh, Baku maybe some of the uh, the bad things he had happened to him at Monaco but still I mean uh, he's doing I think uh, very very well in, in Ferrari in his first year I mean he's only in his second year in Formula One and I think that uh, the, there's still so much uh, potential and room for Charles Leclerc to grow as a as a person and as a Formula One driver and I think that uh, the, the best is uh, yet to, to, to come from him and uh, certainly I think the, the question is uh, you know one on one is he better and faster than Sebastian Vettel and I think in some cases yes uh, I know that uh, that Sebastian's probably uh, from a veteran uh, and experienced driver point of view he's got the edge there I mean uh, you look at the, the strategy that uh, Sebastian had at uh, the Hungarian Grand Prix going in for a late pit stop compared to Charles who tried to go all the way to the end on the, on the hard tires and uh, that was another good bit of uh, race management uh, from Sebastian's uh, point of view uh, even though he uh, dropped uh, quite uh, far back he was able to uh, close that gap from uh, you know that, that he had to Charles uh, Leclerc and was able to pass him but Charles, I think his time will come. I mean, it's it's disappointing that uh, some of the things that have happened. I mean, uh, like Baku, I was saying, and the opportunity to claim pole there, the opportunity to win his first race uh, back in Bahrain. But uh, the the issue that he had with the car, obviously, uh, to cruelly snatched that one uh, out of his hands. But his time will come. I mean, he's still very very young, and I I have no doubt that he's got a long career.
career in, in Formula One ahead of him. And I think that once he's able to get over that hump and, and just uh, get the get that first win, that it'll just be uh, one of many. And uh, it will be very, very fun and exciting to watch. Uh, he certainly is one of those uh, guys that will be the next generation that uh, that once the, the Sebastian Vettels and Lewis Hamiltons of the of the world uh, that retire and uh, move away from Formula One in the next several years, it will be guys like Max Verstappen and will be guys like uh, Charles Leclerc that will become the uh, the, the new uh, the, the new generation of uh, superstars in Formula One. And and Max says uh, he he believes that uh, he will have other for, uh, future Formula One rivals uh, besides uh, Charles uh, Leclerc. And uh, he says that uh, it's it's uh, an amazing opportunity for the karting rivals uh, to to race each other again. I mean, it uh, it was fun to watch some of the moments uh, that they've had the, this year. I mean, uh, Charles obviously wasn't impressed or too happy with the way that uh, that uh, Max barged his way through at uh, at uh, at the Austrian Grand Prix late in the race. I mean, it was a tough, aggressive move, but I think uh, at the end uh, of the day, it might have uh, come up close to that uh, that imaginary line in the sand of what uh, what goes and what doesn't go. In Formula One, and I think that uh, maybe he had his—he uh, got right up close and tight uh, to that line in that move, but I don't think that that, uh, that he crossed over it. But it uh, it will be fun to see uh, where where uh, where it goes from here with uh, with these two guys. I mean, we've uh, seen a little bit uh, of it uh, th- this year, and then uh, of course uh, we saw on the flip side after the Austrian Grand Prix at the at Silverstone uh, at the British Grand Prix afterwards, just how uh, relenting and how tough uh, you know, Charles Leclerc was. Uh, he's still obviously a little bit uh, a little bit uh, ticked off uh, about uh, what happened uh, between him and Max at, uh, at Austria previously and uh, really aggressively uh, defended his uh, position on that day but yeah, it's interesting how uh, Max uh, says that uh, you know first of all he says he gets on really well with uh, Leclerc and uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where where, where other guys uh, might come from uh, that, that challenge and, uh, and Max throws out names like Lando Norris uh, and potentially guys like George Russell and uh, and Alex Albon. I mean, uh, Lando, I think, has uh, acquitted himself very well in his uh, first year at uh, McLaren. And I think uh, and I'm starting to understand and appreciate more and more, uh, you know, why Zach Brown was uh, reluctant uh, to let him go uh, over a year ago when uh, when uh, when approached by Toro Rosso because, uh, you know, uh, Brendan uh, Hartley wasn't really working out for them even uh, in, in the first uh, third or quarter of the season uh, last year. And they, they were looking to, to, to try and get some sort of loan deal to get Lando there for the rest of 2018 and 2019 was the uh, was the rumor at uh, at the time, and uh, Zach said that they just uh, weren't going to let him go, and uh, it was an interesting uh, decision to pair uh, Lando Norris and, uh, and and Carlos Sainz and McLaren this year. But uh, certainly, when you look at them, fourth in the world championship uh, right now in the constructors, uh, and Lando contributing uh, you know a, a fair share and a, and a good portion of those points is uh, is, uh, is 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 proof that they made the made the right decision and uh, and. Uh, um, Lando, of course, I think has been an impressive uh, quite often, and certainly one race that stands out for me is the French Grand Prix when he had uh, mechanical problems right at the end and was still able to struggle and bring the car home. I can't remember now off the top of my head if he was able to bring it home in the points or if he finished, you know, I think it was either he finished ninth or 10th or 11th, but uh, certainly he did a, a wonderful job to, to keep the car on the track and keep it going uh, despite all the, the, the problems uh, that they had uh, very, very late uh, in the in the race so anyways uh, let's talk a little bit now uh, about uh, some of uh, the things coming up uh, this weekend it is the uh, 
I was going to say Spanish Grand Prix, but uh, we talked about that earlier in the show. It is the Belgian Grand Prix, in fact. So some of the uh, the information that we have for Spa-Francorchamps, again, one of my favorite circuits, 44 laps, a circuit length of just a hair over 7 kilometers, a total race distance of 308.052 kilometers, and Valtteri Bottas as the, uh, the the lap record there, and that's a 146.286, which he set uh, last year. And the tires that are being uh, supplied by Pirelli this week are the the hard C1s, the medium C2s, and the soft C3s. And, uh, you know, honestly, guys, I can't see anybody other than uh, Mercedes winning this race this uh, this weekend. But, you know, there there are some uh, portions of the track that are, uh, you know, flat out and uh, very much a power circuit. So is this a race where p- potentially Ferrari could challenge? I don't know. That's a, a, a great question. I mean, we've seen how they've uh, struggled on some of the more high downforce circuits. I mean, uh, they weren't even in, in the conversation for the Hungarian Grand Prix despite the fact that uh, that Vettel was able to uh, you know make a, make a name for himself uh, late in the race and, and pip third place uh, from his uh, teammate uh, but still they were miles behind uh, Max Verstappen and the Red Bull and even further behind uh, Lewis Hamilton but uh, that's just the way it is but go to a track now and again uh, Monza in a couple of weeks uh, when uh, when they go there again uh, lots of flat out portions so could these uh, be a couple of races where Ferrari might uh, they might not uh, reckon that uh, or, or fancy themselves for a win, but you would think that uh, these uh, uh, tracks where there's uh, more straight line uh, and, and, and straight uh, sections of the track that that's going to be uh, auspicious and, and favorable to them. So we'll wait and see uh, to what uh, what they can do there. But just uh, checking the, the the weather forecast now uh, for Spa Francorchamps, and it, it looks like it's uh, going to be uh, pretty good. Um, certainly, I'm just uh, taking this uh, at at face value, but it doesn't look like there is any rain in the uh, in the forecast uh, for the next uh, several days and it looks like that uh, that come uh, Saturday afternoon for qualifying it looks like it's going to be uh, sunny uh, to start uh, the day after a little bit of mist early in the morning and it uh, looks like uh, there may be calling for a high of about uh, you know 23 24 degrees mid afternoon on uh, on uh, on Saturday uh, mid 20s anyway so it looks like it's going to be nice and sunny and again on Sunday for race day itself uh, looks like uh, that the, it's going to be a little bit uh, cooler, but it uh, doesn't look like there's any rain in the forecast. So uh, we'll wait and see uh, how that uh, plays out. Certainly, we have seen plenty of uh, wet races at Spa over the years, and uh, certainly uh, not uh, beyond the realm of possibility. It's uh, one of those uh, places in the world that uh, that, that rains uh, fairly frequently and uh, has made for some interesting races over the years. I mean, I think uh, we all remember the big incident uh, well those of us that uh, they've been uh, formula one fans for for a long time will remember about 20 years ago when uh, david coulthard managed to slice his car in half uh, thanks to uh, michael schumacher who was uh, touring around the track after you know a problem that uh, that he had and that was a race that was even uh, had to be restarted after a big crash at uh, la source the first corner and uh, well <laughs> it was a lot of expensive uh, formula one cars getting broken and smashed into little pieces but apart from that that was one of those uh, moments that uh, that really uh, stood out in, uh, in 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 everything that's happened uh, over the years at, at Spa uh, Francorchamps, and uh, well, I mean Lewis Hamilton, I mean seems like he tops all the charts 
for all the uh, all the other Grand Prix. Uh, he's only a three-time winner at Spa. The most recently, he won it there in 2017. And uh, going back to 1998, that uh, that big uh, well, that race I was just talking about, that was actually won by Damon Hill, who was uh, driving for Jordan at that time. So the, the, the drivers that have won it uh, multiple or more times than Lewis include uh, Jim Clark and Kimi Raikkonen, who uh, together have won it uh, four times each. Ayrton Senna won there five times, and uh, Michael Schumacher has uh, won there six times. So uh, certainly a track that uh, Lewis, uh, I think, will want to uh, in- improve his stats upon. I mean, he's already in some uh, some uh, impressive company. I mean, uh, not only is uh, Damon Hill a three-time winner, Sebastian Vettel's a three-time winner. He won there last year, of course, won there in 2011, 2013 as well. But uh, the great Juan Manuel Fangio won three times at uh, the Belgian Grand Prix in the, uh, the early and mid 1950s. So there are some uh, very, very big names up there. Anyways, uh, going back uh, to, to last year, the uh, it uh, it was uh, it was Sebastian Vettel winning the race, uh, beating Lewis Hamilton by 11 seconds. Max Verstappen was uh, third for, uh, on the on the day. Valtteri Bottas it was in fourth. Sergio Perez and Esteban Ocon were fifth and sixth for Force India. Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen seven and eighth respectively, or, yeah, respectively for uh, for Haas. Uh, ninth was uh, Pierre Gasly in the Toro Rosso, and tenth was Marcus Ericsson in uh, the Sauber last year. So uh, kind of cool to see and it was it was one of those races it was kind of a statement race i think uh, for for vettel last year especially having a you know the the, the frustrating disappointing uh, race in, uh, in in his home race at uh, at hockenheim sliding off in the stadium section when we had a bit of a shower and stuffing it into the gravel and then uh, after that uh, again at uh, going to hungary just before the um, the, the the summer break uh, just uh, being held up uh, by valtteri bottas uh, for many many laps and then uh, by that point it was just too late and too far uh, to uh, to catch uh, Lewis Hamilton, who went on to to win that one, and that was sort of kind of I wouldn't say the uh, the momentum shift in the World Championship, but uh, definitely was one that uh, that Lewis needed to kind of um, put his uh, I, I'd say uh, just to indicate again that uh, that he was still in it and uh, that that there was a lot uh, of of racing left in 2018. But uh, to Sebastian Vettel's uh, credit, and also to Ferraris, they came out at Spa and uh, well I mean uh, an 11 second gap 11 seconds over um, uh, Hamilton to win that race I think uh, speaks uh, for itself and uh, uh, Vettel just I mean he was just looked like he was good for that one and uh, it just seemed that it was going to be one of those races he was destined to to win unless uh, the the car uh, let him down or there was uh, some other uh, circumstances out of his control such as the weather or safety car any one of those things that would snatch uh, victory from his hands. Anyways, I think that is a good place to leave it off uh, for this week. Thank you very much for downloading and listening to the show. It's uh, good to be back. Great to be talking about uh, racing again rather than just uh, rehashing things as we have done for the past couple of uh, weeks. But hey, we do what we do in the times of the year when uh, when uh, when Formula One isn't racing, when it's a downtime in the sport. But we still have a couple more uh, months to go, lots of races to go, and we'll be here the entire way. So anyways, like I say, thank you for downloading and listening to the show. If you enjoy what you hear here and uh, you want to help us out, it's really easy. Uh, all you need to do is just head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and listen to your podcast and leave a review and rating there. And uh, that certainly helps out more than you could ever imagine. And we truly appreciate it. And I really hope that you guys enjoy the the, the Belgian Grand Prix. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping for a, for a good one. And after all the inc- excitement and insanity we had at uh, the German Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, 
I'm, uh, I have to admit, I'm looking forward and, and hoping that we might have a wet race, but uh, certainly seems that Mother Nature is uh, going to uh, provide us with a, with a dry and sunny or perhaps maybe even a cloudy race. So anyways, we can't always uh, get what we want, but uh, we can always uh, we can always wish. And that's it. I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks again. Have uh, fun watching the race this weekend, and we'll be back this time next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.